0: The world around us is changing. What's happening to our climate impacts us all and doesn't discriminate between young and old. Learning from the past gives us an insight into how we got here. On this podcast, we'll hear the voices of experience of Cork's older citizens talking about the change they've experienced in their lifetimes as we all try to make the world a better place for future generations
1: my name is liz downs and i was born and reared on a farm in Mitchstown, actually in the late 40s i had a beautiful upbringing i had fantastic parents and i'm the youngest of five siblings i was better known as the baby of the family but living on the farm was fun and challenging and not like today Where modern technology had taken over all the workload. After a very cold, dry, hard winter, it was great to see the long evenings returning. And it was springtime and nature was at its fullness. The flowers were coming alive that brought colour, brightness, and a beautiful odour as we passed by. Our farmyard was full of life. Young calves, hen laying eggs, pigs making funny noises while the pet sheepdog was trying to catch that cock that kept pecking him while he was asleep. My dad was busy spreading cow manure on the land to aid growth, which would be cut for hay later in the year. We also had a wonderful array of vegetables growing in the garden. We had eating and cooking apple trees in the orchard. My mam did all the homemade baking. We had beautiful apple tarts, scones, and plenty of brown bread. But she made fantastic homemade strawberry and marmalade jam that just tasted like a piece of heaven. What a wonderful time to be alive. Beautiful clean air, warm sunshine, no litter to be found anywhere, but neighbours talking from their front half door with a mug of tea in one hand and a piece of bread in the other that they shared with the chickens that surrounded them. Summer holidays were wonderful lots of warm sunshine, long days, and fantastic, bright evenings. I can remember my dad looking up at the night sky, and if it had a bright red colour, you were sure of a very warm, dry weather for the rest of the week. And as he used to say, tomorrow we can cut the hay. And sure enough, the following day, the horse was tackled, the mowing machine attached, and all was ready to cut the hay. I remember that time well, and I remember helping my man and bringing tea and sandwiches up the fields where the grass tickled my toes that were looking out from the top of my sandals, And a big bottle of stout was very welcomed by the workers who helped my dad with the haymaking. I used to try and catch the small frogs who were hopping around the dry grass and also the colourful butterflies who hovered around my head, the birds chirping, The grasshopper and the bumblebee, they all added to the natural environment at that time. And I used to make a lovely necklace from fresh daisies that were growing all around us. And I was so proud of wearing that necklace. Autumn was a similar time to the above, only the leaves were stripping the trees and falling on the fresh green grass. An autumn shower was very welcomed by farmers and the gardeners but definitely not by us at that time. Oh, the winters were very cold, with a blanket of snow covering the landscape always around Christmas. Jack Frost, another name for the hard frost, often coated our windows with ice. As my man would say, the snow and the hard frost were very welcome. It killed all those bugs and germs that were nesting in the sheds and in the barns. I used to dread the bad thunderstorms and lightning that lit up the whole place. Our pet sheepdog named Rover would run into the kitchen and stay under the table until the last blast of that rolling thunder and lightning disappeared out of sight. I myself used to jump into bed with all the blankets pulled right over my head and I would be shivering and praying and in dread of it all. But now we have four seasons in one day. We're encountering more floods. The rays of the sun are more penetrating. But the saddest part is we have less butterflies, ladybirds, field mice and frogs. Don't worry. All is not lost yet in protecting our planet. We must reduce, reuse and recycle. We must do more walking and use our bicycles more. We must plant a tree, which is very important. And we must educate our young people in how they can apply the above in making this world a better place to live in.
2: My name is Liam McLaughlin. I come from just outside Castle Townsend in West Cork. My earliest memory of climate change was back around 1990. It was coming up a little bit in the news and at work. While my own knowledge and awareness of the topic was very poor, it was not a new concept for others. As far back as the 1850s, a fellow Irishman was one of the first scientists to predict the greenhouse effect from carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. His name was John Tyndall from County Carlow, and he was a very prominent physicist. The Tyndall Institute in UCC is called after him. From the 1950s, scientists were becoming very concerned about the potential for climate change from humanity's burning of fossil fuels. In 1988, there was a report from NASA, and from that it was clear what was happening and how bad it could become if action were not taken. What have we done since we've known this? What action have we taken? Since 1988, when we first knew beyond any doubt of the consequences of climate change, We have emitted more carbon dioxide than in all of history combined before that date. From my own observations, it is very clear now how much change we are experiencing as a result of climate change. I live in West Cork and we can see the changes here. I also travel extensively, ironically, working on climate change mitigation with the United Nations and with other international agencies. I've heard personal stories from speaking to local people in many, many countries, countries as diverse as South Africa, Malaysia, Russia, Spain and Mexico, among many others. These stories are not much different to my own experience here in West Cork. There are different issues affecting different regions in different ways, but the root cause and the commonality are undeniable. In West Cork, in recent years, we have seen unprecedented flooding and huge sums of money being spent to minimize the potential future damage. We also have first-hand experience of more frequent and more severe storms. These storms are memorable, not only from the damage that they cause, but now also because we're giving them names. Who will ever forget Ophelia and her younger brothers and sisters? We see frequent isolation of our islands, which cannot be accessed at times due to these storms. They're also experiencing damage to their marine infrastructure, especially their essential piers. The floods are frequently being sandwiched between periods of drought. We can see plants moving northwards within Ireland to follow their preferred temperatures. So as the temperature moves north, the plants are moving with them. What will happen to them when they get to Mallonhead? Insects are following them as they must. Supposedly birds will also follow the insects. This year, The swallows were three or four weeks late, arriving here in West Cork. Who would have ever thought that we would miss the housefly and the Vapona strips? But they're gone, probably never to be seen again. At least it's much easier now to keep the windscreen of the car clean. But will that clean windscreen help us to see what is ahead and to take the action that is critical in achieving something of a sustainable lifestyle? Continued inaction is not an option. If we do not achieve net zero carbon emissions in a planned way, nature will achieve it for us in very unpleasant ways for much of humanity and our fellow animals and plants. How do we explain to our grandchildren what we have done to their futures? How do we explain that we failed to convince society and our leaders of the need for meaningful action? The school children already know what we are doing to their futures. It is now over three years since Greta Thunberg sat outside the Swedish parliament To start her personal school strike. That movement has grown. Now there are 14 million school children striking every Friday. They're screaming for help. I'm personally so, so ashamed that we are not listening.
3: My name is Kay Donnelly and I'm from Yall. Coastal erosion, one of the effects of climate change. In 1962, you all experienced one of the worst storms in living memory. Many locals still remember the devastation caused by high seas, gale force winds and heavy rain. For those who were too young and people who did not live in the town at the time, they can see the aftermath of the event captured on cine camera by an amateur photographer. It shows a catch named The Three Brothers owned by Captain R. Butnett, who lived at Myrtle Grove, grounded and breaking up on the front strand. The boys, which marked the sandbar at the mouth of the harbour, were torn from their moorings and flung onto the shore, one at the strand and the other at the Green Park. Craters can be seen at the entrances to many houses in the front strand area. Gas pipes were exposed, where the road was ripped apart near the railway station and the front wall of Hurst's shop was completely blown away. Nearer to town, the walls of Green Park were torn asunder and flung all over the grassy area of the park, and the seawalls around the town wall were knocked down, allowing tons of sand to pile up around it. That event happened overnight, but today we have an even greater threat due to climate change, namely coastal erosion. This is not happening overnight like the storm, but has been causing damage for many years, eating away at our coastline, robbing farms of their land and property, causing sandy beaches to disappear over time and washing away important landmarks all over Ireland. Clay Castle is a high grassy mound on Yawl Beach. It is a landmark which appears in many old postcards and photos. Hundreds of people can be seen in these photos, picnicking and watching sideshows. Today, along with its nearby sand dunes, it has gradually been eroded by the rising sea levels that accompany climate change. As a frequent walker on the beach for many years, I had noticed evidence of coastal erosion occurring on a continuous basis. It took a series of high tides in November of 2019, combined with south winds and heavy rainfall, to make me realise just how serious the situation is and how much of this landmark is disappearing. Walking on the beach after the storm, I noticed that much more sand than usual was washed away from the bottom of the sand dunes and had exposed what I was hoping would be clay so I looked around for something that I could gouge out a piece of the clay and I found a slate and gouged out a little lump of clay which I brought home with me and flattened it out and then I wrote on it clay castle and the date and I set it aside and waited for a week and when I went back sure enough it had hardened and turned into something that was almost rock solid. But it proved to me that the name Clay Castle was a suitable name for the mound. Not only is there erosion at sea level, along the top of Clay Castle, several crevices digging deep into the upper part of the mound are getting worse every time we have a storm. This has not been caused by the sea, but by wind and rain, so that the mound has been eroded from the top as well as at the base. The hundreds who gathered there for entertainment in my grandmother's time would not find it a safe place today. A major area of concern to coastal communities regarding climate change is the effect it is having on sea levels, including the height of waves, the temperature of the sea and its rising salinity and acidification. We are all responsible by our everyday habits in contributing to these problems, dumping much of our rubbish into the sea and sending harmful emissions into the atmosphere. Changing times have ways of bringing out the best in people. When the COVID virus arrived in Ireland, the whole country was galvanised into action. Overnight, people adapted to a totally different way of life and had to make many sacrifices. In the course of a few weeks, plans had been drawn up and implemented with very good results. We proved that we could act quickly and decisively to an acute threat. We now need a good plan aimed at involving everyone in the community doing their part locally in conjunction with nationwide action by our government. In the mid-1950s, the Yawal Tribune printed a letter it had received from Connie Kelleher a student at the Christian Brothers School. In his letter, he pointed out that Clay Castle was falling into the sea and he called on the local urban district council to take steps to protect it. Nobody listened then. Will somebody listen now?
4: My name is uh, Timothy Porkley and I'm from Ross Carberry. Can any change, including climate change, be stopped? Around 500 B.C., Heraclitus, the philosopher, claimed that permanence is an illusion, as all things are in perpetual flux. However, if we were to fully accept this dictum, all forms of recklessness may become accepted, but we must agree that change cannot be halted. In my lifetime, I have noticed many differences as a result of what we call Climate change, we have two references which tend to overlap here. Generally, when we talk of climate change, it tends to really mean global warming on a local level. Our capacity to control the climate is limited to the calculated aspect of certain human behaviors which impact on global warming. Did human behavior influence the ice age, the big wind 1839, or the beasts from the east? 2018. An old name for Ireland is Hibernia. This came from the Romans and reputedly means land of winter, as the weather was so bad during their brief visit here, but the name refers to a time around 2,000 years ago. Periods of bad weather are not new to this place, so when we speak of perspective, we need to take the longest possible time frame. On a personal level, it is normal now to see men wearing shorts in wintertime. That was not the case some decades ago and drought can now happen in any season. Locally, nature has responded to climate change. We won and lost. The curlew is rare like the lapwing. I have not seen a cuckoo in years, but we gained the egret and the hoopoe. The scale of whale sightings is remarkable and the wild future is now more widespread, whilst hortleberries are virtually extinct. In olden times, dates were set for each farm yard, garden, threshing, many weeks in advance, and I cannot remember any changes having to be made due to rainfall. That procedure could not happen today. How can we create a new and better future? By preventing pollution from our modern lifestyles. Period. Our modus operandi requires an overhaul, but who will deliver? The business of everybody often becomes the task of nobody. Why is ecology not part of the school curriculum? What are we waiting for? Farming practices have much influence in this procedure. The excess usage of chemical sprays and artificial nitrogen cannot be accepted anymore. Large scale commodity production on farms seems to dominate irrespective of any cost to the environment. Furthermore, it is not quantifiable how such methods may impact on our environment on a long-term basis, and this is before we get to the matter of water quality and air contamination, for which we cannot wait any longer for correction. How can funding from the public purse be used to support methods of farming that are clearly not sustainable, When it could easily contain means to enhance farming and consequently the environment. Hypocrisy must not be entertained. Telling others how to behave with little ardour in our own place. Yes, dealing with our climate can show us how contrary this issue is, but we have no choice. We must take it and we cannot leave it. What is our policy on food waste? Maybe I should ask, do we have a policy? Is there any report on any environmental issue that can jerk us into action? Hardly. What other concerns made me think of climate change today? The sheer decline in the bee population, perhaps our most important pollinator, but this fact is not a news item at all. Why? I will end with a line from Shakespeare which may give us some hope. The web of our life is of a mingled yarn. Good and ill together.
5: My name is Margaret Walsh and I'm from Ballinane. The climate is changing. The yardstick for me every year is how soon will we see the daffodils budding. For a number of years now, I am alerted to how early spring is coming by the early appearance of daffodils. It amazes me every year that the daffodils are budding earlier and earlier. In 25 years, I have noticed the budding period has gone from February, March back to, unbelievably, this year, it was November. These daffodils grow in a cold, wind spread graveyard. Our own garden daffodils do not bud quite as early. The altitude here is higher, so I get great pleasure in seeing these early buds and look forward to brighter days ahead. These past years have proved to me that the seasons are changing. When it is winter, it's not as cold as it used to be. One expects to wear heavy clothing around Christmas time, but there have been some years that the sun was shining and a warm cardigan would have sufficed outdoors. Our winters have become more autumnal, our springs have become more winterish, and our summers are starting late as springs our summers are short and extending into autumn since i was a child and teenager the traffic on the roads then cannot be compared the main road would have some traffic with plenty of lulls if a car or tractor passed me on the by-road i would be looking after it it was so rare Now if I park on the main street in our village, I have to wait my chance to open the car door. It's like taking a chance to quickly get in or out of the car. So I've decided to drive into the car park or drive around the turn onto the by-road. It's safer. On water and flooding, I think there is a lot more rain now and storms. A big reason why we have flooding is there is a lot of land reclamation where water is redirected and the old wells are closed up. Building is allowed on old water planes or runoffs. It must be remembered that water will always find its own level. Over-fertilisation of the land and the runoff into our waterways is extremely damaging. What can your average person do about it? This is a difficult one. We can cut down on unnecessary journeys. That will only cut a little of the pollution. The world is waking up to this problem now, and they have set themselves a target of lessening their pollution. And as families, we have to decide what carbon footprints we are going to leave. Recycling our waste and heavy fines for littering our beautiful country must be enforced by laws and adhered to for polluting land, rivers, and seas. Climate change and protecting our environment go together. We can't turn back the clock, but we will have to change a lot of things. When I was a child, and when we shocked, we got everything in paper bags, tea, sugar, biscuits, sweets. Everything was weighed and measured. If we went shopping for clothes, the items were wrapped in brown paper. Everything was paper, no plastic. The chips were wrapped in white paper and the meat from the butcher was the same. So much paper means a lot of trees need to be cut down, but plastic possibly causes more pollution. There are major decisions to be made by governments globally. The problem has to be tackled because there are many businesses that create huge pollution and that is affecting our climate change. Each person must do their share to protect our environment and reduce the climate changes for future generations. I hope it's not too late.
6: My name is Niall Healy. I'm Director of Services with Cork County Council and I also chair the Cork County Age-Friendly Alliance. I feel storytelling is very important to our communities. It's part of our DNA, it's part of who we are. It's how we connect with people, how we bond with people, how we understand people, and there's great fun and enjoyment to be had by connecting with people through storytelling. I think we learn a lot of things from storytelling Um we learn about our place, about our community, about our family. We also learn life experiences, things that sometimes we take for granted, perhaps. So certainly uh, as we hear people's stories, we, we begin to learn more about the people as well and what's important to them and what their life values are. It educates us all, really. I think in terms of learning from people's pasts, I think that is key to shaping all our futures because we build our futures based on our past and our past experiences. So it's important to understand, you know, what was the defining moments and the defining features that shaped people's pasts. So there's a very clear bridge to be made between the past and the future. And storytelling is a key part of that. We've learned a lot, actually, from the stories that we've heard today. And, you know, there's quite a mix in there, actually. And I suppose above all else, it's observations on people's lives. So we've learned about, you know, the importance of the seasons and the changing seasons, and we've learned an awful lot, actually, about climate change. We've learned about, you know, how that has changed down to the years, the flora, the fauna, the birds, the bees the animals and how they react to climate and then of course we see the impacts all around us of changes in terms of traffic patterns in terms of packaging and waste the rising sea levels and coastal erosion and we begin to see that actually how we behave as a society and as a people very much impacts our lives and when you take stock and look back on how our lives might have been 10 years ago 20 years ago 50 years ago we begin to see that our behaviours have changed. And those behaviours, unfortunately in some cases, have created problems and I suppose challenges for us going forward. But one of the storytellers described it very eloquently when they said that all is not lost, that we are in control of our own destiny. And by changing behaviours now, we can make a real difference. And there's storytelling in action and at work.
7: is Professor Karina Nocton. I'm Professor in Clinical Nursing in Older Persons Healthcare in the South Southwest Hospital Group and the School of Nursing in University College Cork. Storytelling captures what has happened in the past, but also it kind of takes us into the future. So it's not just about a reflection of the past and how we relate to the past, but it positions us in the present and how we relate to the present and to the future. So from this perspective, storytelling is a vital part of how we construct our realities, how we make connection with other generations, particularly intergenerational. So a very strong aspect of storytelling is this idea of it helps us connect to the people around us, but to the people in our past and also people in the future. I think one of the things that these stories have really shown us is how older people are very much anchored and actively want to connect with younger generations. And it's not all about themselves. They're even more concerned about their grandchildren born or unborn to come and generations beyond that. So these stories provide us with a unique perspective on the sheer problem that is climate change. But they're more than just stories. They're not just looking back and reflecting on times that have passed. These stories are a call to action. Older people are often portrayed as being the victims of climate, are contributing to climate change. We very rarely tell the story of older people being actors and being active in mitigating the risks of climate change. All of the authors are not just lamenting the past. They're proposing practical solutions for how we move forward. And these solutions relate to education, policy, financial incentives, agricultural policies. They're not just articulating the the moral argument. And Liam, in his narrative, he demonstrates the agency of older people, adding and enhancing the voice of younger people to create a powerful force to shake society out of its inertia. The stories help us preserve the past, but more importantly, they bring the lifelong experience and wisdom to challenge us as a societal collective, to take responsibility to hold each other accountable and our governments to account. Finally, as Liam says, in terms of climate change, there is no place else to go for the trees, the bees, or for ourselves beyond Mallonhead.
0: Voices of Experience is a production of Cork County Council as part of Positive Ageing Week. A book of stories from older citizens about the environment will be available from the Council's website, Corkcoco.ie. We would like to thank all of the contributors to this podcast for their time in its production. Unlike all of us, good stories never grow old, and it's important to listen to them.